Jesus being the good teacher, I'm going to be looking at this question in just a little bit that Jesus asked many of his followers, especially two guys in particular, when he said to them, can you drink from the cup that I'm about to drink from? Uh, but before we do, um, as your pastor, I wanted to take a little bit of time in the sermon uh, to share just a couple of things, uh, and then we're going to jump right in and, and get back into the, the sermon and the text. Um, I wanted you to know that we have we have noticed um, the, the growth that we have experienced in the last um, six months, especially. Um, in the month of August, right now, we're averaging 650 people on a Sunday. Um, our highest Sunday was 729, which is just miraculous that we fit that many people in this building. But um, we also are thankful for so many new folks we are meeting each week. Um, the Lord is being very good, uh, and we are trying to do our best to be faithful stewards of what he's given us and do our best to disciple disciple new folks as they continue to come. Um, we have um, discussed a number of, of options as far as how to um, get some more some more seating, um, uh, possible off-site service, possible third service, um, just looking at a number of things because we want to continue to have room for new people to continue to join us, especially as we're getting ready to, to vote next Sunday and then hopefully begin building very soon a facility that can hold more folks. Um, but I was asked by the lead team today, um, if in your bulletin, their, their phone numbers are in there. We shared them up there. Uh, the lead team at this church, we have here Tommy McFarland uh, and Dennis Lamaster at the Lake Campus. We have Brandon Hayes. Um, we had another gentleman, but he um, has stepped back from the lead team, so we're finding a replacement for him. They are finding a replacement for him at this time. And Rob Brainer, who is our senior pastor, the pastor that, that founded the church, um, a few years back. Um, they have consistently been asking me to start a third service, and I just wanted to bring it before y'all so we can have conversations about this. I would highly encourage you to, to call one of these men and, and just have conversations about this. Um, I'm all about it. I just want y'all as a congregation to know. I love to talk, if you haven't noticed. I have the gift of gab. I will do five or six services. I absolutely love this thing. Two things with that that I've been praying through and I'm not yet at peace about, which is why I need your help as we communicate to the leadership team. One, my desire as a pastor, and what I believe God has called me to do, is to shepherd and pastor individuals as they walk closer in their relationship to Jesus Christ. I want you to know that as your pastor, it has become more difficult to do that with individuals as the numbers have continued to increase. We are finding that we can't have 729 people to our house to have dinner every week. There's not enough room, even though we have a pretty large table. With that being said, I am prayerfully considering which, which direction to go as far as third service or, or how to move forward with that. Because our main goal at Lake Point is to disciple as many as we can into life-changing connection with Jesus Christ. How do we do that? We're running scenarios and we're figuring that out. I don't know of any other church within five counties that has a congregation of close to 700 people with only two full-time staff, um, and we do here. And I've asked our leadership team for additions to that, and we are still in conversations about that as well. I wanted you as the church to know, one, I'm not on that leadership team. I encourage you to call those if you have questions. And two, be praying as we are trusting the Lord and how to continue to find more room and space as we move forward because he has been very, very good to us. And I'm seeing new people every week. Um, I won't name which city most of them are from because I said that and I embarrassed somebody a couple weeks ago. But it was McDonald's. So knowing, <laughs> I'm using Matt Watkins' microphone today just to break the ice a little bit. Mainly my microphone's having some malfunctions there. 
um, I, I told this story and I've shared it before, just and this has nothing to do with the Bible or the gospel or anything. It's just you can tune out for like 45 seconds. Um, a few years ago, my son that I just had the chance to baptize um, was talking to a buddy of his in class uh, at the primary school who came to the wash rock, come, used to come to the wash rock every Sunday with his grandmother to wash clothes on Sunday morning. Um, so his friend came to him in class one day and said, hey, man, we actually walked down to your church on Sunday. Like, I got, to, I got to see your dad. And Luke said, okay, that's fun. He said, man, your dad's so cool. To which my young man, who's a follower of Jesus Christ, said, no, what? <laughs> my dad? He said, yeah, I mean, he got on stage. He had those big muscles, and he was just singing and getting into it. And Luke said, no, that's not my dad. He doesn't have big muscles at all. He's the little guy. He's like the shorter dude that comes up next. So blessings and honor, you know, it's good. That's why, not why I'm holding the microphone. My arms don't match Matt's arms. We've been talking about Jesus being a good teacher and how Jesus asks difficult questions in the perfect time. He continues to ask questions to his followers. So if you're currently wrestling through something, you don't understand why you've got an answer to it, I want you to know, one, you're in good company, and two, Jesus hadn't forgotten about you. He might just not be prepared for you to understand the answer that he's preparing to give you just yet. I've shared stories over the last few weeks about teachers, and some of them have been teachers I've had. Last week, we shared a few stories about teachers from other, other congregants here. Today, I just wanted to share a fun story. Uh, I'm not a teacher. I mean, I'm a teacher on Sunday mornings, but to like little kids, that's never been a gift of mine. Not going to lie, they stress me out sometimes. It's okay, though. Like, we're working through it. But knowing that um, a few years ago I had the chance to help coach uh, one of my kids' sports rec teams um, because I was asked by a good friend of mine. He said, it'll be a blast. He lied. He did. He lied. So, but anyway, we were, we were coaching, and I was on the sideline because that's my athletic ability. I'm on the sideline, and, and this one kid on the team, my main goal was to keep kids from rolling down the hill. Like, that was my main goal. I turned around. And this one kid is dumping out everyone else, everyone's water bottle. He's dumping all the water bottles, like Gatorades, Power, everything, dumping on the ground. I said, hey, buddy, what are you doing? He said, I'm dumping out the water. Like, he's six years old. I said, okay, why? And this, jo- this little man, young man, said to me, I'm out of water. So I said, so why are you dumping everybody else's water out? And this, this young man quoted and said, if I don't get any water... Nobody gets any water. I was like, drop the mic. Like, I realized then there are a lot of things I wanted to tell him to help him grow up. But I'm not a gifted teacher. I don't have the delivery. So I just let it go, and the kids were really thirsty. You know, the kids were really thirsty that day. The passage of Scripture in this morning is from Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. If you've got a Bible, I think we're just reading this one day. Just let these words wash over you. Matthew chapter 20, beginning in verse 20. Matthew 20. Beginning in verse 20, Jesus has been teaching for a while now, and in the middle of this, in my mind, it's closer to the end of the day, um, he gets a request from a mother of two of his disciples. She comes before him. It's, it's very powerful. Let's read this together. Matthew chapter 20, I'm just going to read verses 20 to 28 here. It says, then the mother of the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and other texts, other uh, chapters they refer to as being the sons of thunder, all right? Their, their dad is Zebedee, and apparently these guys like to make a scene. Like when they showed up, you knew it. They're just, they're strong men. The mother of sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder, came up to him, that's Jesus, with her sons, all right? So it's mom and, two, and her two boys who are disciples of Jesus. And kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? 
We, all, we, we could have preached an entire sermon just on that question from Jesus when he looks at this woman and says, what is it that you want? We're going to go to the next part, but y'all just want to take a second here and say that there's something very powerful happening there. One, it's important to note that she's kneeling before the Lord, asking him for something. She's not even specific yet. And Jesus' response is, tell me what you want. Tell me more about yourself. Something happens when communication with the Lord continues. In verse 21, she said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. Jesus answered, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? And they, all right, now the boys are talking. All right, mom broke the ice. Now we're going to talk. They said to him, oh, we're able. Verse 23 says, and he said to them, you will drink my cup. I circle that in my Bible. It's an important line. You will drink my cup. But to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard it, these are the disciples, the founders of the faith, they were indignant at the two brothers. There was discussion and frustration. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came, not to serve, not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. This is crazy conversation happening. All the disciples are around, specifically with a mom and her two kids, who happen to be James and John, two of Jesus' closest friends and disciples. Some teachers believe that this same Mary, I'm sorry, this lady is Mary, Jesus' mom's sister, Salome, which means James and John might have been Jesus' cousins. I mean, there's some conversation about that, but neither here nor there, she comes before Jesus with a question on behalf of her kids. This is the same Mary, excuse me, this is the same Salome that would likely, that would be with Mary at the cross when Jesus is being crucified along with John, and she would be one of the firsthand witnesses of an empty tomb. All that to say, this is not a timid woman. Does anybody know someone that's a woman that's not timid? Like, this is not a timid woman. Me either. I don't know any fearless or brave woman. She's willing to go before the Lord and kneel at his feet on behalf of her children. She's willing to take the request of someone else to the Lord on their behalf. Because she knew that the Lord would have answers. And she knew that for whatever reason... Her children were not in a place where they could ask the same question. Now, it was a fun question. They didn't really get like the answer they were hoping for, but the principle's still there. Which has got me thinking, this, especially this past week. As we bring this into our own lives, when we acknowledge that she was willing to do it on behalf of her kids, there's a lot in that. I think it's good for us to acknowledge, has there been anyone in your life that has ever knelt before the Lord on your behalf? Has there ever been someone in your life who has spent time talking to the creator about you, pleading possibly on your or for your behalf before him. Who could be kneeling before the Lord for each of us today? Who has knelt before the Lord for you in years past? This last week, we had the chance to participate in my wife's grandmother's funeral, Glenda Mae Stewart, one of the godliest women I've ever had the chance to know. 
Blake Sinnett was able to preach some of it. I was able to preach some of it. And Daryl Payne was able to preach the main message. And he brought it home. One of the things he said at the conclusion of his sermon time was that Glenda was a part of a legacy of faith that had knelt before the Lord for many generations for the next generation that was to come. He said about her that she was a quiet church member. She never brought anything before him of concern or question. He said, really, the only time I ever heard her speak was at prayer request time. And I would ask the congregation, who can we pray for? He said she so often had the names of those that we could pray for. She prayed for my wife, for my in-laws, and for me in her room for many years. My wife has that on both sides of her family. She had two grandmothers that would go into literal closets and get on their literal knees and plead before the Lord on their behalf. So when I got in the truck as we were getting ready to go to the graveside, I asked her, I said, Shani, we've got to do this. And she is already doing this for our children. But to continue, y'all, to be the type of people who plead on behalf of other people before the Lord. Difficult question. When is the last time you got on your literal knees before God? When? Jesus did that. And he said that we're supposed to be like him. When is the last time that we took some of our anxieties and fears and worries and concerns and questions and actually knelt before the Lord and laid them out before him, waiting possibly for him to say, what is it that you want today? Could she have been kneeling for a while before Jesus responded? Maybe. But it got his attention. She gave a solid answer. Lord, if I want my boys to sit at your right and your left when you get to heaven one day, when you get to glory. Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking for. And he also said, that's not my call. I can't even determine who's going to be doing that. The second question in that conversation is, whose names might God be wanting us to present before him today? Who is on your heart, on your mind, in your family? Who is an unbelieving friend, a family member that is strayed, a child that has gone a different direction, a broken relationship? Someone at work that's just on your mind that God is asking possibly through the Holy Spirit right now you to get on your knees and pray for them. She asked her question to the Lord, which was for the boys to sit on the right and the left. And then Jesus asked just this powerful question. He says, can you drink from this cup? <laughs> can you drink from the cup that I am to drink? Then the boys show up. What are they? They're like, yeah, we can drink it. We're ready. Let's go. Like, they're ready for it. And Jesus knew that they were ready for it. And he knew that James was going to actually, just a few years later, become the first martyr of the apostles. Was going to be the first of the apostles to lay down his life for the faith. He knew that John was going to spend most of his life in isolation in an island called Patmos, completely separated from those that he loved. So when they said, oh, we can drink from this cup, Lord, he knew that they could. And that they would be willing to suffer on his behalf. But y'all, he was patient with them because of the disciples, and they were with him for three years, nonstop, still didn't fully understand what Jesus was trying to do. Jesus takes all these cups that people are trying to fill, cup of success, cup of fulfillment, cup of destiny, cup of blessing, cup of salvation, cup of hope, cup of love. He takes all of those, and he combines them into one cup. 
so that anyone who comes to him can find our source of faith, hope, and love in one place with one person, the only Jesus Christ can offer, which he has prepared for anyone to receive. You see, these brothers who had been around campfires with Jesus, they had fished with him, they had heard him teach, they watched him bring dead people back to life, still didn't get it, for they were still seeking privilege and power without being willing to take on service and commitment. And Jesus is once again saying, fellas, in order to receive it, you've got to give it, which is why he never says, you want to be a follower of Christ? Be like James, be like John. What does Jesus say? Be like me. Because James and John still didn't get it. Jesus was still encouraging them and reminding them. Could it be that Jesus hasn't given some of us the answers we are hoping for because we don't fully understand what we are asking? James and John didn't understand what they were asking at the time. They were thinking privilege and power. Let's go. I want to be an eternity for all glory sitting next to you. We're going to take this thing. They didn't have a clue as to what was about to come. The cup throughout Scripture is symbolic of one's divinely determined destiny. Just five examples of any time the word cup is mentioned, and when it's mentioned as one of these symbolic gestures of symbolic determination of someone's destiny. Get them here. These are just some in the, the scripture next to them. One, in, in Psalm 65, it talks about the cup of the blessing of the Lord, how the Lord will fill our cup with his blessing, knowing that you go before him, you say, here's a cup, he will fill it with that. The cup of disaster. You talk about a rough life, this guy, Jeremiah, every time he went before the Lord, the Lord was like, yeah, bro, it's about to get worse. Like, go tell him it's gonna get worse than it was yesterday. And he kept going to the people. He was like, y'all, we're messing up. And the people said, how do we stop? He said, repent of your sins. We don't wanna repent of our sins. It was a cycle over and over again. So the Lord says to Jeremiah, disaster is about to come from the cup that I'm giving because the people are not paying attention to my words. He says salvation. In Psalm 116, 13, salvation comes from the cup of the Lord, knowing that the Lord brings the cup of salvation to the planet. He brings it to everybody. The wrath, which we don't talk about a whole lot. Isaiah had the same message. When the Lord said, the cup of this wrath that I'm about to pour out on the earth, you can't handle. Isaiah went to the world and said what? Get ready for the cup. The Lord's about to bring it. It's full of wrath. It's going to be tough. And then like we know, Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew 26 when he says, Lord, if it is your will, allow this cup to pass from me. The cup of your suffering that has to happen in order for redemption to be experienced by other people. One of the struggles that I've had as a Christian for many years is I try to fill each of these cups on my own at different times in different places with different people. Along with a lot of other ones. And all the while, I have a Savior who is saying, come unto me and take the cup that I will give you, and I will fill all of them at the same time. What does that mean? Jesus fulfills the blessing, the disaster, the salvation, the wrath, and the suffering of the creator of the universe, all into one with his sacrifice on the cross, and he presents it to anyone who chooses to follow. Friends and family, unlike the kid from the flag football, the unnamed sport that I was coaching... (laughs) Jesus knew our cups were empty. He knew that we could never fill them on our own, so he did it for us. Filling all the cups of life and putting them into one, which would be filled by him and by him only for the rest of eternity. I kept coming back to this one idea throughout the rest of this week, y'all. It's his cup. Sometimes I go, right? And there's nothing wrong. We open with Psalm 23. Fill my cup, Lord. Oh, let me up, Lord. Right? Like, let my saucer runneth over with goodness and mercy all the days of my life. That's biblical. But now I want us to talk about this truth. It's his. Sometimes I struggle because I'm like, Lord, fill my cup. And all the while I think he's saying, it's my cup, Danny. And I've already filled it. Come and drink from what I've already done. 
and then go out and share the cup with other people. Then go out in my name and tell other people what I've already done because it's his. As we prepare our hearts in just a little bit to drink from the cup, we didn't take communion earlier. I forgot to announce that. We're going to take communion in just a little bit. It was planned, I promise. I just didn't say it. Let us take a few moments to remember what Jesus has done. Knowing that different times in my life, other people have said, no, you can't drink from this cup. Whether it's something silly like, Danny, you're not fast enough for kickball. You know, take that cup back. Like, sorry, you can't do it. Or it's something else. Like, you've had a broken relationship. Or something else. Like, you have a child that's struggling with addiction. Or something else. Like, you're going through a financial difficulty. And you're going around and around. Like, Lord, please fill my cup here. Somebody fill my cup. Somebody help me out. Help me out over here. And all the while, the Son of the living God is saying, I've already bought and filled the cup for everyone who is willing to come and receive it. And he has never refused me a drink. Not one time other people have refused a drink. There are other people in this world that refuse you a drink from whatever cup they're selling, but Jesus Christ never will. Because it's his. And he is willing to say, because it's my cup, and because I filled it, and because I've accomplished all these things, you can partake of it at any time. Can we drink from this cup? Yes. Why? Because it's his cup to fill and it's his cup to give. When Jesus was taking the Lord's Supper, he was having communion in the upper room with his disciples. We read that as part of what we do every week at Lake Point. We take communion every week at Lake Point. It's just who we are. It's part of what we do. Y'all, it was a part of the disciples' lives and Jesus' life since they were born as well. For they're celebrating the Passover, which they did once a year, instructed by law in the Old Testament to gather together and to have a meal and to have actually four different cups that people would pass around and drink from to remember what the Lord has done. So as we go into this, the cup of sanctification, deliverance, redemption, and praise, the Passover meal had these four. Which means, when Jesus is in the upper room, getting ready for the Lord's Supper, getting ready to say, this is the cup to drink from, that wasn't the first or the second, that was more like the third. Which means they're on the third cup of the meal by the time we do what we do every Sunday with, with communion. So how it would start out is they would say, in a Passover, in a Seder meal, the Seder cup, they would open with a prayer and conversation and scripture reading about the cup of sanctification. What does Jesus do? He fulfills every one of these in himself, which is why he says things like this in John 17, 19. And for their sake, our sake, I consecrate myself that they may be sanctified in truth. The cup of sanctification. Him and the disciples drank from it. Then they went to the time of the cup of deliverance. When they would discuss and pray and thank the Lord for the deliverance of the people of Israel out of the hand of the Egyptians, how God had worked mightily through Passover to allow them to escape. Jesus says in John 8, 32, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus claims throughout the New Testament, I am the deliverer. I am the one that can bring peace. I am the truth. So they would have those. Then they got to the cup of redemption. And it's interesting, it's perfect timing that when they get to the cup of redemption, they would discuss in the book of Exodus, the letters written down by Moses that at the last of the plagues, here it is, I was going to say something else, plagues, the Lord says to Moses, go and tell the Pharaoh that I'm about to spend my spirit and I'm going to take the life of every firstborn child in this place. And in my mind, Pharaoh, and not know what's coming, Moses said to the Lord, Lord, this is what well, we live here, you know, like we live here too. If y'all remember, y'all, in that story, what does the Lord say to Moses? He said, I know, I got a plan. He said, on everyone that follows me, go and get a lamb and sacrifice it. Take the blood of that perfect lamb. Put it over your doorpost. 
so that when the Spirit of the Lord, when the Spirit comes through to take every life, every doorpost that it reaches that had blood across it, it will pass over and you will be set free and you will experience redemption. It's in the middle of that conversation that Jesus is holding a cup, y'all. And I'm wondering if the first time the disciples are starting to say, what is happening? Because he's holding this cup and what does he say? This cup is the cup of my blood. When you drink of it, I will redeem you. Don't just paint it over your doorpost. Wash it over all of you for the rest of eternity. When the Lord looks at you, he won't just see sinless, mess up, broken Danny. He will see the blood of the perfect lamb, his son. So Jesus says, I am the redemption. Which is why Paul writes in Galatians 4, 4 through 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption, adoption as sons. When Jesus said, every time you drink from this cup, he said, remember me. Which is why they could then enter a, a cup of praise. A cup of praise when people just sat back and thanked the Lord for doing what he can do. Jesus says in John 15, 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. It's his So we're getting ready to take the Lord's Supper in just a few moments. I want to remind you of some of the words from the writer of Hebrews when he says this, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and listen to where he said, sat down at the right hand of God. What was... Salome asking for her kids. What were James and John? Let me sit at your right and your left. They couldn't. Why? That seat had already been reserved for the Father of the Lord. It wasn't his authority to give it. And I fully believe that Jesus knew their minds couldn't comprehend it, that for the rest of eternity, I'm going to be seated in glory next to the creator of the universe, and he's going to be on my right and on my left. See a bunch of other little thrones out there. Y'all can take one of those, but it's not my thrones to give. Which is why I'm reminded that sometimes I need to acknowledge the fact that God may be doing things that I don't yet understand. Why didn't Jesus answer the question from James and John to sit his right and his left? Those seats had already been determined. And one of those seats was already taken. One of the things I try to ask people that we have a chance to pray with is they're getting close to their last hours on this earth and we've had a chance to pray with a lot of people in that time is I'll go to them, and I've said this before, I'll go to them and we'll have a conversation and sometimes we'll sing and they'll say, you don't have to sing, Danny, let somebody else sing and we'll do this whole thing. But I'll whisper in their ear, if you can, please save me a seat at your table because we will see each other again. We've got a lot of people that may be saving seats at their table. The older I get, the more I realize the older people when I was younger, they knew a lot, you know? So when they said things like heaven gets sweeter all the time, it's because we know more people that are there. And I'm excited, y'all, about one day walking into those gates and seeing a whole bunch of tables at that wedding feast. And I'm praying that the Lord maybe, I'm gonna be overwhelmed with his goodness for a long time, but somewhere in that, wouldn't it be great to hear a few people say, hey, Danny, come sit at my table. Hey, I've been saving you a seat for 20 years, for 30 years, for 75 years, however long it's been. But even more than all of that, 
I'm thankful to know that Jesus himself said to his disciples after the Lord's Supper, I will not drink from this cup again until we meet on the other side. What does that mean? See, all that means that one day I will see Jesus in heaven and he will be holding his cup and he will say to me and everyone who believes in him, why don't we drink this thing together? Because I did all of this so that you could be with me for all of eternity. It's mine. And no one's ever going to take it from you. No one's ever going to take you from me ever again. Because we will be here forever together. It's his cup. Which is why he can proclaim to every tribe, nation, and tongue, every racial background, everything that's going on on the planet, anyone who confesses and believes, come to my cup. In my translation, in my mind, sometimes he says, I dare anybody to tell you you can't drink from it. Because it's only his to give. And his only requirement is that we confess him as Lord and follow after his ways and believe that he is alive today. So I invite you this morning as we prepare to take communion together. Confess to the Lord, church. Repent of any sins that you have committed to separate yourself from God's perfection. Have a conversation with him over the next few moments. Thank the Lord for giving us a cup that we could not make or drink or fill on our own. Ask him to remind you of who you are in him. So we trust him together. Let's pray. Lord, today, I thank you for filling not just all the cups that are mentioned in Scripture, Lord, Fulfilling all the, all the cups that I need in my life. Lord, you know that today there are very likely somebody here for hearing these words right now that feels like their cup is empty. They've been spilling a lot of it. Maybe they feel like somebody's taken it from them. Maybe they dropped it along the way. Lord, I pray for your Holy Spirit to speak to everyone that's hearing these words right now and remind us that it was never our cup to begin with. It's always been yours, and you're the only one who can make it. You're the only one who could fill it. You're the only one who has authority to give it. God, I pray for anyone right now who feels as if they are in need of a drink from something that will bring them hope and peace and truth and salvation, that in this very moment they would confess Christ as King, confess him as Lord, thank him for the cup that he's given, for the cup that he's filled, thank him for his blood. For the blood of Christ, our cups will be empty. But because of the perfect blood of the Lamb, the cup is full and it will never be emptied again. Because of the blood of the Lamb, every time we come before Him, church, Lord, every time we come before You, whether we've had a good week or a bad month, whether we've had a good season or a terrible year, and we fall and kneel at Your cross, kneel at Your feet, and ask You for a drink of the cup of redemption, Lord, You never turn us away, for You never run out of grace and mercy. We thank you for allowing us the chance to partake of this Lord's Supper together and for answering James and John the same way you'd answer us today. Can you drink from this cup? Even if we say yes, you know our days. But Lord, please remind us that it's not ours. Lord, one day I'm excited to have communion with you in heaven And some weeks are hard. But my hope is in you and what you have already done. Pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. We invite you to open that up there. The cup that Jesus used 2,000 years ago very likely looked different from this. 
Take that little wafer. This represents the body of Jesus Christ because Jesus was God incarnate. He was God in the flesh. He was born of a woman, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, was crucified on a cross, and died a physical death. He was laid in the tomb, and three days later, he walked out of the tomb on his own authority, defeating death itself, so that anyone who eats of the bread, anyone who chooses life in Christ, will live forever with him. Let us eat and remember that this represents the body of Jesus Christ. little cup. People have been drinking grape juice and wine and different things to symbolize who Jesus is and what he's done for 2,000 years. Remember that as you drink this, it represents the blood of Jesus Christ that he chose to lay down on his own so that anyone who believe it, y'all were, were different from the Israelites. It doesn't just cover our doorpost. It covers all of us. When God looks at me, he sees this first, and this is perfect. I want everyone to know what that is like. I want everyone in this place to live forever with eternity, in eternity with God. Trust, believe, confess. This represents the blood of Jesus Christ that was poured out on the cross for all of our sins. Every time we drink of it, we remember that we can be washed clean again. Lord, we remember as we drink this cup together. the praise team gets ready to lead us in our closing song we invite you to stand with us if you're able the altar's open if you'd like to talk to someone the name of the song we're about to sing is called in Jesus name we close our prayers in Jesus name we trust that there is no other name on heaven or under the earth by which every knee shall bow every tongue will confess this morning we invite you to go before the Lord kneel before him confess his name remind may the Lord remind you of what he's already done to give us everything that we need. Why don't you stand and worship with us today. If you never confess Christ as Lord, if you'd like to talk about baptism, becoming a Christian, joining a church, you just need somebody to pray over you. We invite you to come forward as the Lord leads as we lift our voices together.